her patience with me has really taught me a lot about what you can give to someone you love who is trying you to the depths of your soul. Hello, Internet, and welcome to the final episode of season one of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I say final episode of season one. It's really just the 24th episode of the series. I'm going to keep doing it bi-weekly as I have, but, uh, you know, it might as well be since this is the, we're 12 months in, this is the 24th episode. Um, so this is the thrilling conclusion of the explosive first season of Change My Mind. That's how you do it, right? Um, that's how all the good TV networks do it with their drama series. Anyway, I'm your host, Luke T. Harrington. I'm an award-winning novelist, a best-selling humorist, and I once lost a pirate's baseball cap puking over the side of a schooner in the Caribbean Sea. Um, so that was cool. I really like that hat. Uh, anyway, this uh, episode is a little bit different from the previous 23 in that I actually interviewed two people for this. Um, early on in quarantine, I posted an SOS out on the internet that was like, hey, <laughs> it's suddenly impossible to find guests for my program. If you or someone you know has changed their mind about something and is mildly engaging, please hit me up. Um, and I had a couple of, um, a couple of friends, um, one who I've known almost my whole life and one who I've you know only known online a little bit for a couple of years, uh, say to me, hey, yeah, we agree on almost nothing, <laughs> uh, but we uh, managed to become best friends anyway. Would you want to talk to us about that? You know, and I said that sounds a little bit different from what I've done, but it could make for a really interesting episode. So uh, that's what we did. Um, I talked to my friend Adina Holmes and her bestie Anna Davy. Um, they're both very interesting people, very fun to talk to. Um, I feel like I should say something <laughs> about what's going on. We recorded this uh, at kind of at the height of some of the Black Lives Matter protests that have been happening. Um, and it was interesting because the conversation topic was pretty light. Um, you know, we had scheduled the thing weeks in advance. Uh, so if it seems a little awkward, that's probably why. Um, I just, I feel like it would be weird if I didn't acknowledge that here. There's, there's a moment in the conversation where I, I gesture that way and realize, no, I don't really want to take the conversation in that serious direction because the, it just feels inappropriate to the topic we're discussing. Um, so I will be back, uh, at the end of the show with some of my thoughts on that. Um, because it feels weird not to acknowledge it on a program like this. But uh, the conversation you're about to hear is of a much more light nature. So um, I hope that's cool. Um, I guess skip to the end if you'd rather just hear me talk about uh, the current state of things in this country. Um, so 
With that said, I will go ahead and flip you over to my conversation with Anna Davy and Adina Holmes, and I will see you on the other side. All right, welcome to episode 24 of Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. This is my show where I talk to people who have changed their minds about big, important things. There's a perception out there that nobody ever changes their mind, and well, I can understand why people would develop that perception. I don't think it's true or accurate. We've all known someone who has changed their mind so I want to know why. That's why I'm doing the show, this podcast. It's uh, you know, 1% research project, 99% therapy for me. I'm sitting here with Adina Holmes. Welcome, Adina. Hello. And Anna Davey. Welcome, Anna. Hi. There they are. This is, I guess, the final episode of season one, because it's been a year since I started the show, and this is my first attempt to break with the original format a bit. Instead of a one-on-one interview, we're doing one-on-two, I guess. We're doing interviewing two people at once. We'll see how it goes. Adina is an old friend of mine, old in the sense that I've known her since I was like seven or eight, I think. Daughter of the pastor of the church I grew up in. Anna, I have never met in person, known her online for a little while. My understanding is we are going to discuss... How you two became friends despite your differences, which is super corny, but I'm sure the I'm sure it won't be corny in execution. We'll see. Adina, how are you on this lovely 2020 evening? Uh, okay, it's uh, <laughs> it's something. It is indeed something. I don't even know if we. <laughs> Do we need to talk about what's going on in the world right now? I don't even know what to say about it. Um, Crap show. (laughs) It is a crap show. It is indeed a crap show. Yeah, I don't have, I honestly don't have anything to say. (laughs) It's 2020. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. It's true. When, you know, when lockdown first happened, I was asking all my guests, you know, like, how are you handling lockdown? Because it felt like something we could all connect over, but that's gone now. Like there's nothing left that everyone can connect over. Um, everything's just on fire. So and probably rightfully so in a lot of places. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I got nothing to say. I was really, I was really hoping that like once I got, once I got started, I would think of something interesting to say, but it hasn't happened. So maybe we'll circle back to that. Yeah. Let's just um, start with a Maybe if you guys could each give me like just a one minute bio of, of who you are and where you're coming from, what you're about. Uh, Adina, you want to you want to kick us off? I'm Adina Holmes. I live in Wisconsin. I am I was a stay at home mom. Well, I guess I still am a stay at home mom, but I've gone back to school and become a social worker. So there's that. And I have three teenagers. Cool. Cool. Anna, what about you? I'm Anna. I live in Ontario, Canada. So, you know, that's one primary difference from Adina right there. Um, (laughs) I am currently studying transportation engineering technology. Uh, I had a career in um, political uh, communications and campaign communications and uh, 
I think there's very few jobs in the trade publishing or communications world that I haven't held at this point. And yeah, I'm just uh, living that glamorous COVID lifestyle right now. Sometimes the glamour is too much to handle. What can I say? So yeah, two of us from Wisconsin here, one from Canada. And Wisconsin is, as far as I can tell, it's basically Canada with crappy healthcare. So it's like honorary Canada. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably kind of Alberta y, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Alberta's kind of Texas, so it's like a whole thing. <laughs> Alberta is the Texas of Canada. I didn't, I've never heard that, oh, but I'll, no, I you haven't. It is so true. It. <laughs> I'll buy it. Um, so yeah, I mean, why don't we, um, why don't we talk about, about you guys, how you met, start there. Um, you guys are both military wives, right? Air Force wives. No, or am I like no. way off? Okay, never mind. <laughs> never mind. I clearly don't know what I'm talking about, which will not surprise anyone who listens to this show. Um, I, I was. My husband was in the Navy. He retired from the Navy about five years ago. Cool. And so that's how we ended up in Wisconsin. So. Yes. Right. Okay, so how did you guys meet then? Let's start there. Well, we met, um, I guess it would be 15 years ago um, on a baby names website, actually, where we talked about baby names. I was pregnant with my twins at the time. Okay, that's wild. I had no idea. That's cool. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I would have I would have joined, yeah, 2005. And yeah, you were like resplendent <laughs> in your pregnancy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall you describing it that way, but that's definitely how you looked. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we were living in Maine at the time, and Matt was gone in Virginia for a good chunk of that time. So I was just there with um, my son, who was like two and a half at the time. So, and, and it was winter. So found this this website. I think my mom forwarded the link. It was sort of making fun of crappy baby names. And there was a, um, what do you call it, message board that I ended up joining. So this was back in the day when websites still had message boards and people mm -hmm. actually used them. <laughs> yeah, this is like all very archaic internet lore. Golden <laughs> age of the internet. So at that time, um, I had a three-year-old and um, was really wanting to have another child, but was told to put it on hold for medical reasons. So I was like, bat poop insane. I had the baby's <laughs> rabies so bad. And it was coming out um, and making fun of a lot of bad, bad baby names on the internet. <laughs> so what's an example of a truly awful baby name? <sighs> We're all in the oh. same. Is, <laughs> is this how it started? Is this how how your early uh, altercations started? Or I, it must have been, but it's so long ago now that you know there was just sort of a general "you're cool, you're cool, you're funny, you're funny," and then people start to coalesce around groups of similar personalities. But I mean, God, there was paradoxal. That was. That was a terrible baby uh, name. That's pretty and then bad. There was, there was Miracle, but it was spelt like... My Rackle. My Rackle, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, just the really super trendy names that it's like, okay, well, no matter how many different ways you spell it, it's still, you know, like Madison. 
And um, hunter with eight Y's, like hunter yeah. with stab kill. <laughs> yeah. No, and we named our daughter this really masculine name so she would be strong, as if, you know, women named Elizabeth and Catherine were never strong. You know? <laughs> yeah. They never ascended to political power at all. No. <laughs> I think it worked for the narrator and the boy named Sue, right? True. I don't feel like a lot of those people were coming at it from a literary perspective. No, it was, you know, (laughs) I'm going to name my daughter, you know, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's strong. (laughs) Yeah. And then for boys to get a strong name, it had to be violent, like, like pistol ejaculation. You know, like, these are the people that are having the, like, the, like, guns or bows baby reveals where they end up setting 500 acres of forest on fire. Like, these are their, these are their spiritual predecessors. Mm, Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So you guys both just bonded over your mutual hatred of terrible baby names then? Yeah. Well, initially, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. And then I think we just, I don't know, we... uh, on this, on this message board, we talked about all kinds of things besides just baby names. I mean, there were discussions about current events and beliefs and politics and, um, Parenting. you know, plenty of, yes, and plenty of arguments. Um, we had a lot, lot of arguments. Yeah. <laughs> like you and I, we had so many arguments. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's that's what we're supposed to be talking about. So why don't we get into that? What did you guys argue about? Oh, uh, besides probably, like everything, <laughs> everything, well, probably religion. I would guess. Yeah, everything, <laughs> everything except bad baby names. Yeah, religion, um, gun control, abortion, politics. Um, yeah, I mean, Healthcare. I am and always have been like a really stereotypical. Um, liberal, lefty, socialist from Soviet Kanakistan, you know, and I've got really leftist politics for a Canadian. And I also was raised without religion. Mm-hmm. So this is like, and I was young, so I was also a jerk. Um, <laughs> and really convinced that I knew everything. Uh-huh. And then there's Adina, who was none of those things. I was pretty much a jerk too. I was just like a conservative <laughs> Republican, like conservative Christian, also a jerk kind of person. <laughs> very, very convinced that absolutely everything I'd always held to was the absolute truth and mm-hmm. um, not willing to be challenged at all. I don't know. I think that, I think that part of the reason that we were ever friends was because we were both willing to be challenged. We just weren't willing to concede. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, I think we always had a pretty mutual respect for each other. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't I know I, I did. I never remembered saying, man, I can't stand this chick. Which is good, because then I've got a lot of questions about our friendship, so. <laughs> Do you remember when Mike made that magazine for my anniversary and he interviewed you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Is Mike and- your husband's? Yeah, Mike's my husband, okay. Okay. Um, and he uh, he at the time worked in publishing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had this really incredibly sweet idea um, that he was going to 
go behind my back and he was going to get interviews um, from family members and from friends about what they loved about me or what they valued about me. And then he put together like this little eight page magazine with pictures of me and testimonials from the kids and well, really just Elise because Jenny and Marley weren't up to a lot of talking back then. Um, and so Adina was one of the people that he privately reached out to and said, I'm doing this for Anna and, you know, I'd really love it if you would submit something, you know, about your friendship. And um, so as I'm reading this thing through my, my haze of tears on our anniversary, or maybe it was Mother's Day, but I think it was our anniversary. You know, there's this little blurb from Adina about how we don't agree about anything. Um <laughs> We're complete and total polar opposites. And she loves that we can argue respectfully and she loves me and she's glad we're friends. I feel like I need to ask this for the, okay, if this goes nowhere, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> um, I feel like we, I need to ask it for the purposes of storytelling though, which is like, I feel like we need to talk about like at least one thing that you guys argued about um in maybe going going into depth on it is that unreasonable or is that i we had a few knockdown drag outs about gun control for sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to remember because i don't i don't think that way anymore <laughs> and i've even come a little more towards your historical position in that i am not as vehement about certain types of gun controls i used to be yeah, because I've changed my views on hunting, mm. right? So, but I mean, yeah. we both think handguns are terrible. So there's that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I still, I still, you know, I still believe in the Second Amendment. I still think people should have a right to have weapons. I just also don't think that we need to amass a freaking arsenal in each home. And I, I think. <laughs> I also don't think that we're going to, you know, protect our country from overthrowing it, our tyrannical government with our handguns. So recent history suggests not, <laughs> you know, I, I still think the second amendment is whack. I can't believe you guys have that. It makes no sense to me. Um, because it, it doesn't strike me that just assuming people are going to spontaneously form a well-regulated militia for the purposes mm -hmm. of defense, especially once you've got an entire military complex. Um, oh, yeah. And once you've got all these, like, blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bubba and his arsenal of AR-15s is just not going to be any competition for, like, drones and... <laughs> You know, bombs dropped from way high up in the air. It's just, there's nothing. Yeah, it, I, it's a nice idea. And I think it made a lot more sense when the Constitution was written. But um, I don't think it's, I don't think it's reasonable <laughs> to think that that would happen today. I don't know. My dad would hate me hearing, hate hearing me say that. But, you know. Well, just bad. don't give him a link to the podcast then. <laughs> easy, easy. I mean, Yeah. <laughs> My parents don't even know I'm doing this. No, I mean, hmm. <laughs> I, you're although, here without your parents' permission. <laughs> I know it's it's oh, shocking. No. I'm I don't even have a chaperone present. Oh, um, so I, got, I, I gotta call your dad. I gotta call your dad. 
<laughs> well, he will be befuddled and not necessarily charmingly so. <laughs> I can't guarantee that for you. It's sounding to me an awful lot like the two of you have seen your opinions converge a bit over the last 10 years or whatever. Um, you said 10 years ago was when you met Ish, right? Well, 15. Yeah. 15, sorry. Yeah. My number's messed up. I mean, it seems seems like your opinions have inched together one way or another. Um, how much would you attribute that to your interactions with each other? I think a lot, actually. Um, I think that having conversations with Anna about, about gun control or when I... Um, like healthcare. I've asked her a lot of questions about the system in Canada because I wanted to know more about it um, and kind of changed my mind um, or changed my perception of what it was, um, mm. was not really that accurate. So mm. um, if yeah. I understand correctly, <laughs> I think in Canada, you guys just leave your sick people to die in your streets. Is that correct? Or is that... <laughs> Well, you know, that really depends on the time of year. You don't want to do that in the summer because things get oh. a little stinky. So, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. that's that's when you've got to have the government death wagons come through. Um, <laughs> they're refrigerated, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it, we do have a, a rudimentary socialized healthcare system, um, it's not comprehensive. But uh, we're very proud of it on the simple grounds that it's not America, um, <laughs> which is which is great for our politicians because then they don't have to invest in it because we all say, well, at least it's not America. We're doing fine. And we don't say, why aren't we France? Hold on a minute. <laughs> I figured you guys talked about us the same way we talk about Mexico. So that makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody speaks that favorably about Canadian cuisine. Mm. Like we've got poutine and that's, that's a tortilla. Yeah. I mean, and that's all French Canadian. That's not even Canadian. <laughs> like Canadian cuisine is. Moose. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's basically English, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be that much different from American, I would think. Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of uh, similarities. We do have, um, in, we do have, I think, regional um, cuisine cultures. Like that was a terrible sentence, but you know, <laughs> like, like Quebec, because they are still very much a distinct society. They do have um, a much more uh, identifiable palate. Ask Elise; she'll tell you. Mm -hmm. mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's mostly it's mostly like badly cooked vegetables and starches and meat. Like we're, we're not that special. It's pretty middle America, really. <laughs> well, like, you don't, you can't get fresh food up here. If you're looking at, um, you know, like eating in season for there's huge parts of the country where there is no growing season, like nine months of the year. So you really do have to rely on, um, preserved foods historically and then i think that sort of thing just carries over into modern day cooking habits hmm. yeah but, i don't even know how you guys garden up a little like especially like in manitoba <laughs> <laughs> well 
Well, you know, you, you start early. There's lots of varieties that have short growing seasons mm-hmm. um, that have been bred for colder climates with shorter growing seasons. So you uh, spend a lot more uh, money on greenhouses and cold frames and things like that than maybe we do here in the soft southern lands of uh, Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I got us way off track. <laughs> we, were, we were talking about healthcare. Do you want to finish that thought, Adina? <laughs> well, I know, I know. I I think what really started to change my mind about healthcare was um, my my interest in like um, the way birth is done in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and um, and and statistics for infant and maternal mortality, uh, mortality and morbidity. Um, and talking to Anna and understanding that the C-section rate was lower in Canada and they have better um, infant and maternal um, survival rates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Outcomes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it started me thinking, well, geez, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe it's actually a pretty good idea to not just go crazy with spending money on, on birth just because you know, whatever, we're avoiding lawsuits or whatever. Sure. Um, and because insurance will pay for it anyway. So I don't know. I think that that had a lot to do with it. And so that was still kind of, you know, based on both of us being moms mm. and, and having similar interests in that area. Well, and I had some cool births too, right? Yeah. So you got, you got to see like all the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> except for me having a c-section actually i think you got to see like every other birthing experience through my eyes at least yeah 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 because you you know you had a you had a breach delivery in a hospital and that's like almost never done in the states because mm-hmm. they're just so paranoid and i my twins were breached and there was no way they were gonna <laughs> let me try to deliver them without a c-section so mm-hmm. um whereas anna <laughs> Not that it was a pleasant experience for her. It really wasn't. Just just going to put that out there. Yeah. But it was, you know, it was something that you, you know, you were able to do. Um, and it, 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 I guess it sort of um, solidified my ideas that maybe the way we do things in the States aren't necessarily um, the best necessarily for the mothers or for the babies, but more for the doctors. Yeah, this is a tangent, I guess, but it's it's really interesting to me how <laughs> the political <laughs> landscape in the U.S. is arranged such that the more likely, like the more pro-life you are, the more likely you are to be against universal health care, which is interesting. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say that's wild. Yeah. yeah. There, there's very little about our political system that makes sense or is functional these days. Um and honestly, my, you know, my pro-life beliefs are part of why a lot of my political beliefs have gone left, uh-huh. which, mm-hmm. you know, probably blows, I know it blows conservatives' minds, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm in the exact same boat, so, you know, yeah. that doesn't blow my mind necessarily. Well, and it's funny because, I mean, I would definitely say I'm pro-choice, but my pro-choice beliefs also lead me to uh, want to see the same sorts of reforms that Adina does, right? Because I want everybody to have the best quality of life possible. 
so that when somebody does get pregnant, they're, they've got a really free choice mm-hmm. about what they want to do. They're not making a decision based on financial stress or, um, you know, dependency on another person or anything else. I want, I want every life that, that comes into this world to be, to be wanted so badly and to be valued um, and to be supported both like in the home and by the larger um, overarching umbrella of society. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, we're not so different after all. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimate. It's the standard super villain speech, right? We're not so yeah. different. You and I. Yeah. Um, Oh, it's like that so, episode of The Simpsons where they come up to Canada and that Ned Flanders lookalike offers <laughs> Ned a joint. <laughs> they warned me Satan would be attractive. <laughs> that was my Canadian supervillain speech. That, that episode aired like, what, 15 years ago? And now marijuana is legal in like half the United States now. So And here. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> It wasn't then. That's been pretty recent too for us. Yeah. How long ago has it been? Like I mean, it 20, was it, 2018. It wasn't okay. legal, but it was decriminalized, I think. Right. Like if you got caught with up to three ounces, you weren't breaking any laws, I believe. In the States or in Canada? In, in Canada at the time the episode aired. Oh, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm going to want to fact check that because that doesn't okay. sound right. Because <laughs> I. I it's been forever since I saw the episode, but I believe the the line was, you want a joint? It's legal here. So I don't know. It's also possible that the writers for The Simpsons didn't know what they were talking about. It might have um, been. I mean, like, no. I, I have not made, I've maybe not been the marijuana legalization expert I made myself out to be. Um, <laughs> well, what good are you then? What are I you know. here for? I've got maple syrup. That's it. <laughs> true all right well let me ask you guys this um we were talking about how your views have changed some because of your uh relationship with each other um and and you you guys made it sound like to me that you were just kind of really going at it at first when you met like just really arguing and um whatever the internet equivalent of yelling is um Typing in caps lock. Did you do a lot of that? Um, Maybe sometimes. <laughs> um, I feel like th- there's a perception um, out there that I've talked. I've talked about it on this show in the past. Um, since we end up talking a lot about um, internet debates on this show, there's a perception that like being angry, yelling at people, um, is not an effective way to change minds, to open minds, whatever. I'm curious to hear if, uh, if you two agree, disagree, have any thoughts on that. Um, what do you think, Anna? Well, um, I can't speak for Adina, but I think that, uh, in our case, we, we had, um, a lot of things going on. Like we couldn't have had the exchanges that we had, I think, um, in the internet as it currently exists, hmm. you know, the, the, 
distance that a message board allowed you that you both had to be online at the same time and you both had to be refreshing the thread at the same time, right. you know, and all of those sorts of things, it gives you a bit more distance to really think about what you want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, by the point that I'm thinking of when we had some of our biggest disagreements over things like gun control, we weren't posting on that original message board that Adina mentioned, but we were on a private board that was almost entirely comprised of people from that larger board. But it was an environment where we all had a sense of trust in each other Mm -hmm. um, and Mm -hmm. a sense of community with each other. Mm -hmm. And so that made it a lot easier to disagree, but to still uh, recognize the other person's humanity because I could be in one thread just letting fly on my views on gun control. And then I could be in another thread commenting on Adina's pictures going, Oh my God, I can't believe the twins are getting so big. (laughs) (laughs) And, and that's, um, I think probably healthier. And it, it gave us that sort of space that we needed to be two very, uh, stubborn people. Mm -hmm. Um, and still, and still have like a positive social tie. We weren't, we weren't arguing um, with an audience of strangers who were going to judge our moral value mm-hmm. based on the positions that we took. We were just like in a thread full of 10 or 15 other people, all of whom also had different opinions. Yeah. Um, and we were all just hashing it out as a big group of friends. Yeah. Yeah, because we weren't, I mean, you know, arguments with strangers on the internet are much more vicious. But once you've had conversations about, you know, personal problems you're going through or like postpartum depression or, you know, marital issues and you're supporting each other, it's a little harder to just rip each other a new one when you you start to love these people. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) and I think. I think love had a lot to do with um, listening to each other. Hmm. It does. And even, I mean, there were people on that message board where the love wasn't mutual, but the community, um, community identity and community cohesiveness Mm -hmm. was strong enough to get people to sort of, agree that they just couldn't talk about some things sensibly with each other. Yeah. It's um, crazy to think how much, (laughs) how much social media and smartphones, especially have changed things. I mean, I'm old enough to remember the days of the message board, even if I'm the youngest one here, you know, but the, I'm old enough that I was a co-sysop on a BBS. So. Wow. Yes. I'm just barely old enough to understand what that means, but I <laughs> share your wisdom with me. Oh, well, ancient you can hear one. the gray hairs on my head yeah. when I say that phrase, right? It's true. I remember back when all this was ASCII art, like just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> but it's like, you know, even when I got into heated arguments with people on message boards. It was like, it was this thing on a computer that was on a desk somewhere. And when I stepped away, it was like not a thing anymore. Like it was, it was like something, something that would be a distract, a momentary distraction for like an hour or two. And then I could put it away and get on with my life. And 
you know, I didn't have to, I didn't feel like I had to go back to the message board ever if I didn't want to. Um, but now it's like Facebook and Twitter are in my pocket and like mm-hmm. anyone in the world can start yelling at me at any moment. And it's just like, it's impossible to get away from. And it's like, there's, there's literally millions of people out there and no one, no one has time to interact with millions of people. Um, I don't know what the fix is. Um, I don't know if there is a fix. I don't know if, I don't know if it's even broken. Like it's, it just is what it is. Um, yeah. And, and of, there's no, go ahead. Alitina. Oh, as you say, it just kind of, I think the internet today, it kind of spills into your life and right. you know, you're just angry or frustrated or um, like I, the last week or so I've had to mostly stay off of Facebook because it's yeah. just too much. Um, <laughs> So, sure. um, you know, it, back in the olden days when we <laughs> had to like signal each other with lights, it was, you know, it was easier to just kind of think about what you were going to say and then say your thing and, and go on about your life. And I think you're right. You, it wasn't as angry making. I think that it's, it's just so many things too, right? Because if we're mm-hmm. talking about um, the digital landscape 15 years ago, we're talking about you know, the internet's more of a, an amusement. It's not like mm-hmm. our, our digital selves haven't become integrated with our physical selves yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where we're as much a person online as we are in person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm grateful for those advancements because it enables me to keep a long distance friendship with Adina going quite comfortably for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it does lead to a change in how we view those sorts of conflicts and also we're in a very different position sort of socially economically politically where we're not on this sort of upward trend of prosperity and now we don't have that confidence that things are going to work themselves out the right way in the future Mm -hmm. whatever we think the right way is there's a real uh, immediacy to our beliefs now that it really feels like we have to convince everybody of the righteousness of our position now, because it feels like there's no time left for anybody. This is, this, this might seem like a total tangent, but I am going somewhere with this. Um, have you guys ever met in person or have you just always been online buddies? Been just online. I mean, yeah. I mean like we text each other and mm. too, but yeah, I haven't met in person yet. Anna went to California. We're going to though. Yeah. We're driving distance now. Yeah, we really are. It's a are. long drive, but we could do it. I need to get my passport and then just conveniently forget to come back. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I endorse this plan. Um, we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, it's not that we're against meeting our online friends. It just hasn't worked out for us specifically yeah. yet. Let me ask you this. Um <clears throat> This this uh this episode is a little bit different of a format than what I usually do, but um one of my stock questions is how has your life changed since your beliefs have changed? Um let me ask you guys this. How has having each other in your lives, um, if that makes sense, changed or improved your lives? Um you wanna you wanna start, Adina? <laughs> No pressure. Just yeah, I mean, you know, if you could, if you could, please tell me how my presence in your life has immeasurably bettered you as a person. 
I don't know. I have to try to figure out how to say it without crying. Yeah, I guess I, I, slanted, I slanted the question when I said changed or improved. I should have just said changed or improved or exacerbated. I don't know. <laughs> Made worse. <laughs> no, I know that Anna is somebody I can talk to when something is weighing. See, I'm going to cry. <laughs> weighing oh. really heavily on me. And yeah. and she's going to love me. And she's going to support me. And she's going to give me... um advice and she's going to be honest with me but she's gentle at the same time now i've got to follow that doll <laughs> you've got to top it now you're yeah, gonna now right. i'm gonna cry <laughs> um i will say specifically i'm gonna to speak to something that i don't usually talk to adina about so i'm just gonna put us all on the spot here and it's gonna be great um <laughs> But Adina is really the um, the primary reason that I have softened my stance on uh, religion. Hmm. Um, that Adina is such a fantastic example of biblical grace, hmm. um, and and the way that she gives that to the people that she loves. Um, and that was one of the things that I was like a really super huge jerk about when I was younger, because I was so convinced that I knew exactly what was right. Hmm. And um, Adina probably remembers this, but uh, when I found out I was pregnant with my youngest, that was not um, something that was planned. That was hmm. something that was anti-planned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really... Uh, in a very tumultuous emotional place about this this pregnancy because we were done having kids. And I just remember confessing to Adina that there was something about this pregnancy that felt, for lack of a better word, miraculous. And she was so gentle with me about that and wasn't like, told you so, told you so, told you so. <laughs> and also wasn't like, well, you're crazy. Um <laughs> And I don't know. I just, I love you a lot. Mm-hmm. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> and we have matching Christmas tree obsters. Well, yes, we do. Yeah. And we have, we have, we also have the same anniversary. So. Yes. And we both have brothers named Benjamin, yeah. younger brothers. <laughs> yep. So she's yeah. my, she's my anniversary twin. Yeah. And, when they were living in Maine, um, when her son was really young, he got obsessed with the idea of he wanted to have yobster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't say his L's, and I'd, we'd go to the store, and I'd say, what do you want to have for dinner? And he'd say, yobster. <laughs> like, I'm not That's... cooking a yobster. I can't, I can't bring myself to do that, so no. <laughs> <laughs> but now there's like four or five of us that have yobsters for our Christmas tree, and whenever mine goes up, I feel... I feel really happy, and I always send Adina a text about it every year, saying, "Adina, mm-hmm. it's Christmas. My lobster's up." Yep, and it feels like just for a little minute, like she, like we're all connected. Mm-hmm. All right, let me ask you um, one final question, and then we'll—well, not final, final, but <laughs> we'll, we'll move on to my super pretentious philosophical questions that I close every show with. Um, <laughs> but um, what what if you? What would you say? And maybe maybe we've talked about this some, but what would you say you've learned um, from the experience with um, 
the experience of making a friend so different from you? Anna. Mm, Anna. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I've learned to be less of a jerk, which is great. Um, <laughs> Something we all need to learn. probably. <laughs> when, when Adina and I became friends, I mean, I was really at like the prime age for pigheadedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I was 23, so I was old enough to feel like I was grown grown, <laughs> but not old enough to have a fully functional brain. Um, yes. And so her patience with me has really taught me a lot about what you can give to someone you love who is trying you to the depths of your soul <laughs> like <laughs> that you, that you can all these sort of caricatures i had in my head of conservative midwestern religious you know american republican people was not actually maybe as accurate as i thought it was um i mean it was there's just you know good people everywhere as it turns out imagine that (laughs) that caricature might be more accurate now than it was 15 years ago just fyi Um. (laughs) especially because i'm not conservative or republican anymore (laughs) yeah you're you're not there to bring up the average anymore no (laughs) (laughs) no but you were still good enough to love me back then so you know yeah well i i used to tell i used to tell people i'm a conservative but i'm not a jerk (laughs) (laughs) i remember that (laughs) i was a jerk too but i was like less jerky than some i suppose (laughs) no you were that that was legitimate (laughs) Um, Adina, you, do you want to answer the question of uh, what you learned from the experience of getting to know Anna? Um, I think that, I don't know, people in general, I don't, people are in many ways still just the same. We have like the same basic needs and wants and desires. I think everybody wants to be comfortable and have, you know, have have people who love them and that they can love and i don't know i think the similarities in people are maybe greater than most of the differences and and so i think it was the similarities that we had the things we had in common um that kind of allowed me to let go of being right all the time Hmm. or or to the point of of being cruel with my rightness Hmm. at least i hope i was never cruel (laughs) Uh, if you were it wasn't to me so i can't speak for anybody else i mean i can be but (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean i also appreciate that that from the beginning you've never been afraid of being honest with me even though honesty sometimes led to more conflict um, and you're still not afraid of being honest with me now, which is good because I'm an idiot um, and I make some terrible choices. Uh, so I, I know that I can trust you for uh, an unvarnished opinion about me and what I'm thinking and doing. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, 
Yeah, I always try. I mean, at least I try to say things with love. I mean, I don't. I feel like you, you win. You generally win people over to your. Not that you win them to your side. Maybe that's not right. But you know, um, being kind to people goes a long way to being able to have actual discussions and not just like shouting past each other. Hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. you know, um, you're a human being and I'm a human being and, uh, you know, I believe that God loves you. So <laughs> I need to love you. I mean, it's, it would be hard not to love you, but <laughs> Aww, <schmoopsie>. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> and I believe that God loves you too. Oh. well you know i don't know i just i figure we're all made in you know if we're all made in god's image then we need to treat each other that way all right well i have um three uh quasi philosophical questions i try to ask all my guests to close out the show um try to poke at these questions of epistemology ontology how do we know truth how do we know ourselves um <laughs> <laughs> And you don't you don't have to give me the best answer I've ever heard. There's no pressure here. Um, I've had some some answers that you know sounded like a philosophy thesis, and some that were like you know shrug emojis. So <laughs> we um, we don't judge here. We just ask questions. Um, so we'll take it take it by question. I guess I'll I'll ask I'll ask uh, each of you each question in turn. Um, Adina. What is identity? Does everyone have an identity? How do you know your identity? What do you think? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's, it's, it's sort of the stuff that makes up who you are. I mean, you're the groups that you belong to and the, you know, the thoughts that you have, you know, I am a Christian. I am a woman. I'm an American. I'm, a student, a wife, mother, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I play games, I read, I, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just kind of, it's maybe not your soul, but like, you know, just kind of the all encompassing who you are, what you are, what you think and believe. Mm. Do you think identity is mostly performed then? Or is it, or is it innate? What do you mean by perform? <laughs> <laughs> like Sorry. I think, then. I think it's a, th- I don't think it's a thing that you're like just born and it's all one. I mean, I think it's shaped. Sure. Okay. I mean, that's where I was, that's kind of what I was yeah. trying to get with it. Get out with that. Yeah. Question. yeah. And I think it can shift. You know, I don't think it, it's in some ways I would, I would say it's somewhat fluid, I guess. Anna, what do you think? What is identity? I think identity is all of those little data points about you as a person Mm -hmm. that you feel to be true about you. Um, Because there are identities that a person can have that they don't identify with. Like, um, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of like a personal example here. Um, You know, I don't identify as a math person, Mm -hmm. but part of my identity is that I am in an engineering program. 
So hmm. there's assumptions about my identity that could be made about me based mm-hmm. on signifiers, external signifiers that I don't necessarily internalize. Um, but I think that it's, you know, basically what Adina said, it's all those little bits of you that make up you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that our identities are mutable. And I think that our identities um, are, as you asked Adina, both innate in some areas and also performative to a bit, because I think that there are parts of my identity that I see most clearly when they're reflected back at me. Hmm. Can you Um, give me an example of that? You know, when you're with people and you you have that split second of seeing yourself through their eyes and it shows you a, a version of yourself that seems much greater and gooder than you would have thought that you're possi- possibly capable of. Hmm. You know, maybe it's your spouse or your best friend or your child or, or your dog. My dog, I mean, <laughs> she really thinks a lot of me. Um, <laughs> You know, and I think that those those moments can amplify parts of our personality, parts of our identity, um, where, you know, we say, I want to be that person, so I'm going to become that person, so I am that person. Hmm. And when we're around people that, you know, show us a crappy version of ourselves, sometimes we say, well, I guess I'm crap. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes me... um, Reminds me of um, Sartre, Jean-Paul Sartre, um, famously said, hell is other people. Um, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I think that quote, that line is quoted out of context quite frequently because, uh, you know, what Sartre meant was um, hell is like other people are hell to us in the sense that they reflect back how horrible we are. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like you think maybe heaven can be other people, too. Which is an interesting. Point. At least it's dogs, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. dogs. <laughs> Alice people, heaven is dogs. There you go. I, I'm 100 percent behind that theology. <laughs> <laughs> my mom, my mom said when she was a kid, she used to believe that if there were no dogs in heaven, she had no interest in going. <laughs> well, I got good news because um, Don Bluth answered that question. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like one of two good movies he made so <laughs> fake. um all right adina i'm going to come back to you with um what is human nature are we all the same deep down are we all different deep down are we all blank slates what do you think uh i don't know i think we, i think i think people are generally about the same um like at our core we have all the same basic needs and and wants um mm. I think it just kind of varies how we want to how we want to get them hmm. uh, fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my my go to is sacking and pillaging. You know, um. <laughs> I mean the the Calvinist I grew up with would say <laughs> <laughs> that we're all depraved, and um, and while I don't necessarily disagree with that, I uh, you know I don't know I think I think we're I don't know. Hmm. You know, I think we all probably have some nature that might um, might not be really um, wonderful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, thankfully, there's grace. But <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. 
Anna, what do you, what do you think? You want to um, respond to that? <laughs> I mean, I, I agree. I think we're all biologically, basically the, the same, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever variations we have, they're really not that big um, in terms of how we look and feel um, and what our bodies need to succeed. But um, I think that there is in innate in human nature a tendency or a drive um, for community mm-hmm. um, that is not necessarily unique to our species. But I think that um, whatever parts of human nature we see expressed, they're coming from the same basic places of making sure our biological uh, needs are secure, making sure our psychological needs are secure and making sure our community needs are secure. And finally, um, Adina, what is truth? How do you find truth? How do you know when you found truth? Well, I don't believe in objective truth necessarily. (laughs) Um, So I think it just kind of all depends on, on what you have experienced and what, um, how you understand um, a situation to have had an effect on you. Mm-hmm. Or how, what is to be true for you? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's what you believe is accurate. So, do you see a distinction then between, say, truth and facts? Like, facts are facts, and truth is your interpretation of facts. Yeah, yeah, I would say. I mean, I mean, if you're talking about like statistics as far as facts, obviously <laughs> <laughs> those are twistable. But yeah, yeah. I mean, there, yeah. you know, two plus two is gonna be four. Mm-hmm. Um, that how you might feel about math is something different. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we have uh, reality depends on how you, you know, how you perceive reality to be, I suppose, depends on a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we could see the same scene. Something could, you know, a car accident could happen. And depending on your where you're standing and where you're from and your past experiences, you might see things differently and it's true to you. Yeah. It might not be the exact thing that actually happened, but that is, that's your truth. Anna, do you agree? Disagree? What do you think? Yeah. uh, I don't really believe in objective truth either. Uh, We all come into every situation in our lives with lived experiences and with um, entire backgrounds of interactions and exposures that are going to shade our perception of something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that whatever sort of capital T truth is out there isn't inherently knowable to humans, um, mm. which is probably a weird position for an atheist to take. <laughs> but um, if there's some level of organization or or rationality or consciousness to this universe. I don't think it's um, something that we are evolved enough to understand or that we are um, just physically capable of understanding. We've only got so much gray matter. We've only got so much processing capacity. Hmm. No argument here. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, Well, Adina, Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a lot of fun talking to you both. Um, Before we go, uh, I suspect the answer will be no, but do you guys have anything you want to plug? Blog, Twitter, anything like that? Not really, except that black (laughs) lives do matter. (laughs) Yeah. 
Black Lives Matter, defund the police. Absolutely. Yes. No arguments here. Um, all right. Well, this has been Changed My Mind with Luke T. Harrington. I'm Luke T. Harrington. You can find me on Twitter at Luke T. Harrington or go to my website, LukeTHarrington.com. I'll see you next time. Those who make peaceful revolution impossible make violent revolution inevitable. Um, It's a famous quote from John F. Kennedy that's been bouncing around in my head lately. Um, I was reminded (laughs) randomly by a a random automated email that uh, Facebook sent me, of all things, that I briefly wrote about politics (laughs) back in... uh, you know, early 2017, late 2016, early 2017. Um, I was writing for a website called Arc Digital, which um, I kind of walked away and didn't look back. Um, they're great. It's a great website. That wasn't a dig at them. Um, you should check them out. They're one of a handful of um, publications that sprung up among Never Trump conservatives. Um, back around the time of his election. And it's a very good, uh, you know, political commentary magazine um, that really has um, tried to foster kind of a conversation. Um, They publish a lot of things that I know their editors don't agree with. Um, You know, a lot of leftists uh, have shown up in their pages, um, including me, I guess. Um, But they're, uh, yeah, they're a great publication. I wrote something for them shortly after the 2016 election uh title of the piece was can we all admit the system is broken now um and mainly what i was writing about was some of the protests and riots that sprang up in response to donald trump winning the election um and obviously there's a lot going on uh with what was happening then and what's happening now you know our country's long history of uh, racism, both de jure and de facto racism, is obviously a huge part of that, and I don't want to discount that. But um, what I said at the time, and what I stand by, is that you can really make sense of political violence in general, and this political violence in particular, by just running the numbers. Um, and what I mean by that is that Donald Trump was given the presidency on a minority of the vote. Um, He was given the Republican nomination on a minority of the Republican vote. Um, He couldn't win a majority in his own political party. He couldn't even win a plurality in the general election. And based on that, we handed him essentially 100% control of the government. Now, people tried to um, argue with me uh, when I when I said that, when I wrote that, that no, it's not 100% control of the government. There's three branches. There's checks and balances. But he had a majority in both houses of Congress. And based on some finagling, he was able to stack the Supreme Court in his favor, um, which we all saw coming even back in 2016. Um, 
Now, things have changed slightly since then. He lost his majority in the House, but both Congress and the Supreme Court have proven themselves completely ineffective at restraining him, even when they tried. Now, this is not the anti-Donald Trump show. Um, I'm not a Trump supporter. I think he is a great danger to the nation, and I don't try to hide that. But at the same time, this podcast is about much more than look at how bad orange man is. Um, but I imagine I'm talking about any other election, um, where those numbers continue to hold true. Like if you don't like me saying this about Donald Trump, imagine I'm saying it about some other guy in some other hypothetical nation where something like 12% of the population votes in this hypothetical party's primary. That's how many turned out for the Republican primary in 2016. Of those people, less than half of them vote for this this candidate. Um, so something like five to six percent of the population is able to impose their will on the rest of the nation. You know, whether by accident or by design. Um, I think if you if you just look at the numbers, you'll see how much of a problem that is if the goal of democracy is representative government. I think a lot of people have trouble seeing that when they have something to gain from it, um, which is one of the recurring themes of the show is it's, it's hard to see reality when you benefit from not seeing reality. Um, but what I want you all to consider right now is that there is a real purpose to democracy because the reality is that violent struggle over power and resources is not an anomaly it's been the norm throughout almost all of human history um, until relatively recently when the government was not working for you the only option you had was violent rebellion or whatever, violent resistance, if you prefer. And democracy is not a game. Like, it's not a game that you play. And if you play your cards right, hooray, you win. Go team blue, go team red. That's not what democracy is. Democracy is a tool for preventing the need for violent resistance. And honestly, you could say something very similar, at least in theory, about free markets. Free markets are a tool for facilitating trade of resources, thus preventing the need for war or struggle over resources. And when those systems break down, when they stop working in the favor of all participants, that's when we go back to the default setting on humanity, which is violent struggle over power and over resources. I remember when I was a kid in the 90s, <laughs> seeing all these headlines about uh, you know unstable regions in the Middle East and Eastern Europe, where it seemed like these countries were nothing but... Uh, different ethnic and cultural factions <laughs> engaged in a zero-sum struggle over power 
um, where seemingly nobody could get along with anybody else. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, why can't they just be like, we are a democracy where everyone's equal and everybody gets along. And of course, um, you know, any black listeners are rolling their eyes at me right now. Um, But that's, you know, I mean, that's the lesson there, I think, is that all countries are that and it rarely takes much uh, for those cracks to show again. Um, And also that it's just hard to see that reality when you as a white middle class male kid kind of benefit directly from it. Um, But the reality is that for a long time now, we have had a system in place that does not benefit everyone. And an awful lot of people see no hope of it working in their favor. And unless that changes, I think we can expect to see a lot more violence in our future. Anyway, that's it for this week. I really want to thank you for um, supporting Change My Mind throughout its first year. Um, This uh, podcast has actually grown um, a lot bigger than I expected it to. I've gotten a really positive response um, to it. What I, you know, it started out as me just doing something to kill some time over the summer, um, and it seems to have enriched a lot of people's lives. I've heard from a a lot of people that have really appreciated what I'm doing. So I'm going to keep doing it. Um, If you want to make sure that I keep doing it, um, I would love it if you would drop me a rating or a review on iTunes. Um, Reviews especially really help the show get noticed. Um, If you write me a review, I will read it live on the air and make you internet famous, just as you've always dreamed to be. Um, If you want to support me financially, there are a couple of options. Um, One is to just toss me a couple of bucks over at Ko-Fi, that's ko-fi.com slash change my mind. You can send me any amount in increments of $3. So buy me one cup of coffee, two cups of coffee. I need all the coffee I can get. Um, If you don't want to do that, you can pre-order my book. I have a book coming out Uh, called Murder Bears, Moonshine, and Mayhem, Strange Stories from the Bible to Leave You Amused, Bemused, and Hopefully Informed. Um, You can find that at murderbearsbook.com. Otherwise, you can just go to my website, which is luketharrington.com. It's got all the major projects I've been involved with recently, and you can check any or all of those out. I want to thank Jonathan Clausen for editing the podcast. I want to thank Raven Creek Social Club for hosting the podcast. Visit them at ravencreeksc.com. I want to thank Adina and Anna for being on the show. It was a pleasure talking to them. And I want to thank you for listening to Change My Mind. Please join me in season two, and don't be afraid to change your mind. Mm-hmm.